Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, welcome back to all of you up in Port Perry and Bowmanville. We want to say hello to you. Two summers ago, I finally was convinced to go on the second largest roller coaster at Wonderland called Behemoth. You plunge down 70-meter drop at 125 kilometers. For you who are watching the States around the world, Wonderland is an amusement park in our area. I have not yet decided to go down on Leviathan that drops at 148 kilometers. Now, just as I get going, I'd like to make a side comment here. Leviathan and Behemoth, by the way, are from the Old Testament. They are names for Satan. Why are we even going on these roller coasters in the first place? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Anyway, uh, my daughter convinced me to go on this demonic ride. And uh, so I was in the line and her and her friend were together. And I noticed that they had convinced each other. And I could see the peer pressure because one wanted to leave and the other wouldn't. And so we were slowly getting there bit by bit feeling trapped. And you'd hear the screams and everything. Ah, but you know, you know it was coming. So finally we get locked in and I'm terrified and they're terrified. And we begin what, if you've done roller coasters, you know, it's the click, click click, right, as you're going up, and people change nationalities because their skin colors turn different things because they're so terrified, and some people are like, this is the most amazing thing, and other people are like, I'm going to die, and then the person says, why am I on a roller coaster? All these things are happening all around you, and so my daughter starts grabbing me, and there's that beautiful, blissful moment when you hit the top before you plunge to your death, and you look around, and I could see all of Wonderland, and I could see all of Toronto, I'm like, this is so amazing, and then the plunge happened, and I screamed at the same octave my daughter did, and uh, it was awful and terrible and a little fun. Now, a few weeks ago, I saw on social media that they have announced that they are launching something called the Yukon Striker, which will be the longest, fastest, tallest dive roller coaster in the world. Let me proclaim it from God's pulpit. No, 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 I will not be going on. Now, just, just for a moment, whatever site you're at, would you turn to your neighbor, whether you know them or not, are you a yes roller coaster person or a no? roller coaster person. Turn. Turn now. You know. Oh, yeah. Do you hear, do you hear the intensity in the room? This is like the same conversation, pineapple on pizza, yes or no. Like, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. And you're like, now, John, why are you starting our ministry year with this analogy? Well, here's the reason why, genuinely. Because we are on a God-given roller coaster and our whole church is on the click, click, click moment. And we're basically at the top. And some of us are like, this is so amazing. And others are like, I need to leave this church right now. And other people are like, I'm on a roller coaster? What's going on? So here's what's about to happen. We are about to experience as a church family a God-given drop. And I just need to outline it for you. We've been on this roller coaster for a while, but this drop is bigger than the other ones. Like we've just announced, we are so full at this site that we have to go to three services. There's no room in the parking lot. Our children's ministry is overflowing. We've got no room in the inn, and we must make more room because God keeps bringing people here, and we, want, we don't want to turn any person away at all, at all. Now, we'll see if you're clapping when you hear the times. We'll see how faithful you are. 
right? To make room for all people, the three service times at this site will be 8, 15, 10, and 11:45. If you're 8, 15, like you are blessed, you are godly beyond belief. Why are we doing this? Honestly, because we must make room because God is bringing so many people. Not only here at our Port Perry site, the trajectory that we're on, so many people are coming. It looks like we probably will be at two services sooner or later at Port Perry. So let's give them a hand. We're so excited uh, for there, Port Perry. And like we announced in June, of course, we're preparing to launch our fourth site in Pickering. Our site pastor will be here by February. We'll be launching next fall, sometime a few weeks after this, uh, this season. So we're excited about that. Not only that, we're going to be doing the C4 Church Conference again for church leaders across the country so we can learn and digest together what God's doing here and across the country. And if that's not enough, uh, this coming June, we will be unveiling to the whole church family plan to for the next five years where God is going to be taking us as a whole church church. Now that plus walking with Jesus and running what we usually do and trying to do family and friends in school, this is the God-given drop I'm referring to. So with all of what God has done in our community, what God is going to do, I need to stop at the beginning of this year to remind, to inspire, to vision, to keep our eyes on what matters. And I want to once again paint a very clear picture of the church that you either are committed to, the church you've just joined, or the church you're thinking about joining. There are two fundamental ideas for us in this community that are the underpinnings of how we do church. One is called uh, common faithfulness. The other one is unique calling. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is the most fundamental uh, description and most famous description of what we would call common faithfulness. What every single church on earth must look like no matter denomination or cultural expression. This is what the very first church looked like and it is the standard, it is the blueprint for every local church on earth. Every church that's a faithful church loves the scriptures, lives under the scriptures. They call them the, the source of faith, life, and practice. Community takes place. Communion is served. Prayers are given. The presence of God is experienced. Giving and generosity mark a church that is true. Loving the poor. Large gatherings like we're doing right now. Small gatherings in homes, in coffee shops, and other places. Baptizing. Telling the good news of Jesus called evangelism. It's the worship of God the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Whether you're Anglo Baptist, Pentecostal, independent, pick your poison in the family, guess what? That's got to be done. That's common faithfulness. But beyond common faithfulness, sometimes out of holy listening, spiritual disciplines, God decides in his sovereignty to give a church a God-given vision. Common faithfulness never changes in any environment, no matter where you live on earth. Now, when we listen, does this mean that God will always speak when we listen? No. Many times God just gives common faithfulness as the ongoing call for us or a church. But as you keep in step with the Holy Spirit and you keep listening, sometimes God gives a unique assignment. And we as a church have been given a very specific call which we've talked about for years and tested. And let me give it to you again. Our God-given assignment, our vision is to become a regional church of 10,000 meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. That is our God-given call. Now, beyond vision and common faithfulness, then the next question we should all ask together is, well, but what should the church feel like or look like? Now, many times, if you read Scripture and church history, even in our own experience, when God gives a vision, he also gives promises to pray back to him connected to that vision. And that is exactly what we also experienced in our journey with God. 
The very first promise that was given to us as a church in and around this whole experience is in 2 Chronicles 5, when, the, when God actually showed up when Solomon dedicated the old Jewish temple. And when we were given this passage, God said, I have decided, not because you're better, not because you're bigger, not because you're more organized, I and my sovereignty have decided to move in power and touch C4 in a unique way. The old word used to be called revival, that God would visit his church in a very palpable way beyond the normal for an extended season. The summary of that is found in 2 Chronicles 5.13 when it says, And the temple of God was filled with the cloud, that's the Shekinah glory, the Spirit of God, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. And we were given this promise before anything that we have seen that was taking place. And God said to us, Start asking me to send my Spirit among my people in a way you've never seen in your history. At the very time, literally within minutes of being given 2 Chronicles 5, we were also given another promise out of 2 Corinthians 5. If 2 Chronicles was the promise for a situation or a time for God's unique presence to be poured out, the next passage was what would mark his presence. See, every time if you read revival history, when God moves in a unique way, God does a unique thing in that move. And so we open 2 Corinthians 5.8. This is obviously written by Paul. And Paul wrote these words. We're confident, I would say, we'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with Jesus. Lots of us, by the way, couldn't really say amen to that yet, right? So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. And here's what God was beginning to show us. As the presence of the Holy Spirit began to grow uniquely at C4, the lordship of Jesus would be the evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The revival would be marked for a love of Jesus that extended beyond your kids or your family or your friends or your workplace, fill in the blank. The kingship of Jesus would be welcomed and accepted. It's what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. So that was the promise and this was the mark. And we have continued to pray these two passages back to God for years and we have seen an ever-increasing evidence of his spirit and the lordship of Jesus among us. But halfway through this journey on this roller coaster, one last promise was unexpectedly given to us as the leadership, tested with elders and others, and it actually gave us one last part of the puzzle. It gave us the picture of what God had done, is doing, and is still doing among us. And the passage that was given to us is found in that very unread book called Zechariah. And it's in chapter 8. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn there, physical, virtual. If not, it's on all the screens at all the sites. Now, this book is very unread, and I've preached this before. I'm going to preach it again. To understand Zechariah, you have to understand the book of Haggai. To understand Haggai, you have to go back farther. There were prophets named Isaiah and Jeremiah. And they came to God's people and warned them about their unrepentant sin. And they begged the people of God to turn back to God because God loved them and wanted to bless them. And he did not want to judge them, and they would not obey. And so God ended up judging them. The people were exiled from their land, the temple was destroyed, and the people were taken off into captivity under a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Seventy years later in exile, God moves again. And the Jewish people could return to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild the temple and that city. And under people you might know, Nehemiah, the, the, the worker, Ezra, the priest, they came home and they started rebuilding. Now lean in. 
As with all projects and all moves of God, the people, when they came back, were so excited, started with great zeal and enthusiasm, and the foundation of the temple was finally built, but then opposition came and everyone stopped the work. Sixteen years passed, and Haggai comes on the scene, and he utters these very famous words out of Haggai 1-2. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of angel armies, says. My people, these people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. But is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while my house remains in a ruin? Now, why were the people saying this? Just because they were obstinate? No, they actually had very good reason to say to God logically that they couldn't do it. Most of them were farmers. And actually when Haggai's preaching, it's a harvest time. They're saying, God, we can't harvest the food and also build your house. That's illogical. That's what? Impossible. Also, there's all these enemies around God. So actually, let's wait for a less hostile time and then we'll be okay. Third thing historians tell us is there was a drought taking place at this time. So actually they're saying, let us build our businesses. Let us pay off our mortgages. Let me help my kids through school. Oh, and then I'll get to your house. Now, all of those things, by the way, are good, pragmatic, honest, thoughtful, well-reasoned reasons why not to obey God. But see, there's never a good time not to obey God. So God shows up and says, actually, I'm going to do some miracles you don't even know about, so I just need you to obey. And that's when Zechariah comes in. Hear the word of God today, Zechariah 8.1. This is the word of the Lord Almighty. It came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her, for her. I love that God is jealous, not in the weird way, not in the stalker way, in the loving way. I can't bear it anymore. Though you had affairs on me, though you went to other gods and I had to put you in exile, I can't stand. I love you so much. I refuse to be estranged and divorced from you. You're coming back home. Oh, this is what the Lord says, I will return to Zion, I'm going to dwell in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. A new era has begun. God's presence had left. God's blessing had not been given for 86 plus years, but now God was doing a new thing, and God said he's going to restore Jerusalem, and it is going to be a place where people would encounter God and be faithful to God, and that is why Jerusalem is called here a city of truth. What does that mean? It means that God's word would unashamedly be preached, loved, Loved and adored and lived under. It would be the place where God's truth was welcomed, but not just his truth. He also would bring his very presence. That's why it's called a holy mountain. So God's truth would be proclaimed, but his literal palpable presence would be found. And we know when the spirit of God shows up, blessing, healing, truth, repentance, wholeness, rebuke, kingdom come on earth. That's when things happen. When the Holy Spirit shows up and the word is preached in power, people are changed. Because the author of truth is in the room, not just his truth. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. God says, oh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age, and the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. In the time of judgment and invasion and war, the elderly had been killed off and starved. The young men were killed in battle, taken into captivity. And he says, now that will change. There will be peace. Many generations will live together. Some of you are refugees. Some of you have lived in war zones, and you understand how terrifying it is and you know that there is no peace and generations die off. And God says to a group of basically immigrants and exiles, I am going to reverse everything you've known and I'm going to bring you back, not to the good old days, but to the best days. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the marvelous to the remnant of this people at one time, but will it seem marvelous to me? It's like the people are crying out to God, "Oh God, this is too good to be true." I mean, I really, really, really want to believe you, but my my hopes have been dashed before. And God says, "Oh, it's no problem for me. I'm going to rebuild your city and your temple, and I'm going to show up. You're not going to decrease. You're going to increase. My presence is going to come again, and I'm going to do." Listen, He says, "My people, watch me do what I do best. I am going to make the impossible possible." This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm going to save people from my people from the countries of the east and the west. And I'm going to bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. Not only am I going to dwell here again, he says, but actually there are so many Jews at that moment who had not come back. He says, I'm going to bring them all home too. We're going to have the biggest family reunion ever recorded in Jewish history. It's going to be epic and wonderful. Oh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words. Oh, you let your hands be strong so the temple may be built. I mean, this is what the prophets said who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Oh, oh, let your hands be strong. Keep going. Look beyond the foundation in that semi-built temple. I've given you, God says, a demanding task, actually an impossible task. But here's the difference maker. I am with you. So give. Oh, and serve. And live a godly life and build the temple. Why? Because when you build the temple, my presence will show up. When my presence shows up, my power shows up. When my power shows up, I will come and do the impossible. He says, let's talk about your history. Like all good psychologists, you can't deal with your future until you deal with your past, right? Oh, before that time, there was no wages for people. Do you remember? Oh, no hire for animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies since I had turned everyone against their neighbor. No money, no safety, no unity, no protection, no blessing, no money, no military, no infrastructure, no reputation, no vast amounts of people. And he says, well, that time is done. And when I do this thing among you who, who basically are nobodies and nothings, the word miracle will apply. But now, I love when God says, but now, but now. I will not deal with a remnant of this people like I did in the past. The seed's going to grow well. The vine's going to yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops. The heavens are going to drop the dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people, declares the Lord Almighty. Oh, just as you, Judah and Israel, had been a curse among the nations, so now I will save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid. Let your hands be strong. He actually decides to take them to a very painful place most of us miss reading the scripture. After the death of King Solomon, God's people turned on each other. And they had a civil war. There is nothing more painful when a nation turns on itself. There is nothing more painful in a family when a family splits apart, right? Judah was in the south. Israel was in the north. They turned on each other. And both in the end were wiped out by the Persians and the Babylonians. And then God says, not only is that true, you were a joke to other nations. You were refugees. You had no homeland. The civil war is over. The exile is done. The grand reunion is beginning. So I am going to restore you, God says. So don't be afraid. Don't fear. Let your hands be strong. Oh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I determined to bring disaster on you and show no pity when your ancestors sinned, angered me. So now the Lord Almighty says, I've determined to do good again to Jerusalem and Judea. So do not be, what's the word? Afraid. Oh, don't you notice in the Bible, every time God is about to do a profound thing, he always says to his people, do not be afraid. 
And I love that God says, I'm going to do this. See, here's the amazing thing. When God declares he's going to do something, nothing can stop what he's decided. When God opens a door, no one can close it. When God closes a door, no one can open it. You can't do it. Politicians can't do it. The devil can't do it. When God says something, it is done because he is God. So he comes and he says, I'm going to do this. But these are the things you're to do. Here's your responsibility in all of this. Oh, speak truth to each other. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. Oh, do not plot evil against each other. Do not love to swear falsely. I hate, notice God hates things. I hate this stuff, God says. In other words, if Jerusalem and Zion are marked by God's word, and if Jerusalem is marked by God's literal palpable presence, then here's something even the modern church needs to re relearn. Love of God always leads to holiness. You must be people of truth. Don't say false things. Don't spread lies. Don't t say half-truths. Don't fudge the truth. Don't live a lie. If you're a leader, live out of a godly place. Lead out of a godly place. Don't plot destruction or ripping someone off. In other words, God is saying this. That led you down a path of destruction before. I'm saving you from it. Don't repeat the ancestral sin again. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the God of angel army says. The fast of the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months will be joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore love, uh, for Judea, Judah. Therefore love truth and peace. Two years ago when I preached this passage for the first time, I realized, I didn't know this, that those fasts within the Jewish calendar were terrible events where the Jewish people would gather together to remember the worst parts of their history. They would have a festival to remind themselves that the temple got destroyed. They had one where they, they actually had to remember the breaking down of the wall and the slaughter of innocents. And here's what's so profound. God is literally saying, when you start meeting to remind yourself of all the things you lost and all the things you did wrong, even when you want to weep, it will turn into joy because my presence will overcome your pain. So this is what the Lord Almighty says. Oh, many people and many inhabitants from many cities will yet come, and the inhabitants of one city will go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many people and powerful nations will even come to Jerusalem. And they're going to seek the Lord Almighty, and they're going to entreat God himself. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and all nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem." of his robe and say, let us go with you. Because we have heard that God is actually with you. See, the story gets brighter and bigger and more beautiful. Not just are the Jews being co coming home in this moment historically. Not only is God promising to bring the exiled Jewish community home, but actually he says all peoples and races and nationalities will be strangely warmed to the idea of encountering the true living God. Actually, these groups of people will eagerly start searching for the true living God. And they are going to begin to hear and see that God can be found. And notice this, the nations will go to the people they used to own. They will go to the people they used to mock. They they will go to the people they used to ignore and, and they will go to the people that were the butt of all jokes and 10 of them will grab one and plead with them to show the place to meet God and take them to Jerusalem. And think about who's receiving this so long ago. This is a small group of people on the outskirts of power, fame, religious understanding, military might, and they have nothing in their hands but rubble. And God says, I'm beginning it. I'm sustaining it. I'm ending it. 
Watch me do this. Now, we know, because we need to read the Bible always from beginning to end, that the Old Testament in its fulfillment always is pointing to Jesus Christ. And we know that Zechariah 8, though a historical event, many of that stuff, took, that stuff did take place. It was pointing to Jesus. Why? Because we know, amazingly, that God in his mercy has decided that we as broken human beings, as Christians, have now become the temple of God because he's poured out his spirit in us. And we know that Jesus is actually the mountain, uh, uh, the city of truth, and, and the holy mountain because he has fully revealed God and brought us back home. And we know what Paul says, there's neither Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female, we are all one in Christ. The whole world gets to come back to God through Jesus. Zechariah 8 was prepping the world for the coming of Jesus. But sometimes passages are given to people and churches as a promise specifically for the moment. And so the question that we need to wrestle down, we need to rekindle, we need to come close to is this. How does Zechariah 8 affect this church in this season, in this moment? How does this last promise lead us, guide us, define us, and move us? So what I want to do is I'm going to reread this passage. I'm going to put C4 in it. And I'm going to once again tell you what happened during those prayer times when God gave this to us and how it will directly affect and is affecting our church already. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm incredibly jealous for C4. Aren't you glad he is? I'm burning with jealousy for this church. Well, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to return to C4. I'm going to dwell in C4. C4 will be called the city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. You say, well, how does this apply to us? Let me tell you. God, when he gave us this passage, the very first thing he uttered among us in community by the Spirit is that C4 would continue to be known as a church where they are unashamed about the word of God. And the word of God would be continually proclaimed and continually submitted to and loved. This church would be known as a city of truth, not because it's better or more organized or better gifted just because God had sovereignly decided that would be so. And that's amazing. But not just this. There are many, many good godly churches that beautifully expound the word of God. But God was so close to us and he said, I'm not just going to let you expound my truth. I am going to pour out my spirit among you continually. You will not just have word, you will have deed. The power of God will be released as there's preaching, but there will be deliverances and there will be healings and there will be miracles and people will experience the power of God and they will come back and they will know I am God. And so when God gave this, you got to remember when this was done because not this stuff was not happening among us like this. And God said, you start praying this back. The, the word of God and the presence of God will grow. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of C4, each of them cane in hand because of their age. And C4 streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. Here's the amazing thing that God told us so long ago, and we already see it. He said, many generations will start showing up at this church and staying in this church. Children, teens, young adults, and adults. Look around. It is happening. It's going to happen more. As society divides down many lines, including generational lines, as even churches target specific generations, God has decided in his sovereignty that this church will have all the generations in one house worshiping together as a sign of, of his amazing work. And not only that, he says, there will be so many children in your streets. 
that you won't even know what to do. Well, look around. There's a lot. I don't know what's in the water in this church, but it is happening, and it's going to continue to happen. But why does that matter? Because God is entrusting this church with the next generation of children. We have hundreds of children. We're soon to have thousands of children. The next pastors, missionaries, all, all the next leaders of the church, and lawyers, and doctors, and stay at home, they're going to be finding the Lord Jesus Christ in this church, and we get to see it with our own eyes. What a privilege it is to see this among us. What a privilege. And God says, I'm sovereignly going to do this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of, the, of C4 at this time, but will it seem marvelous to me? Oh, I'm going to save people from the east and the west, and I'm going to bring them back to live in C4. They're going to be my people, and I'll be fight, faithful and righteous to them as their God. Now, I just need to camp here for a moment. This is so important. I want you to look at that word remnant. There are a group of you within the sound of my voice at all of our sites, and you were at Steeple Hill. Some of you go all the way back to Bethel. Some of you were in Ajax High School, and you did the walk along Bailey, and one car passed us, if you can believe it. Some of you were here when we used to be called Crothers Creek Community Church, when we moved in this building, and we thought we built it too big because we weren't sure if anyone was going to show up. And here's what God is doing in this moment. God is saying, I have decided in this season to honor your courageous faith and your determined staying. You knew that I was not done in this church. And though your friends and family left, you did not leave. And now you will see with your eyes what I promised to you so long ago. And you will actually live in the thing we used to dream about so long ago. Because of this, you are the remnant and God has decided to bless you in this season because of your faithfulness. And we, the church, thank this remnant for what you have done. We do. And it says that he's going to bring from the east and the west. And we were like, well, that makes sense. I mean, we're literally putting sites in the east and the west. I can't believe this is happening. But it's more than that. There was this profound moment in that time of prayer where the Spirit of God kept saying these words, I'm bringing back prodigals. I'm going to bring back prodigals. You watch me do this in a way I've never done before. And we're like, Lord, we want to do it. And of course, in my mind, I always think about teens and young adults. He's like, no. The prodigals I'm going to bring back en masse are not teens and young adults. They are adults. The region is full of people who have been hurt by the church. The, the region is full. The city is full of people who once loved Jesus and have become worldly. And he said, I have sovereignly begun this decision in my mind where I'm going to bring back so many adults that did not or used to love Jesus. And they're going to come back and say, I've been gone so long and God has healed me. I must come home. This is his promise during this move. And he's going to do an Ajax and Pickering and Bowmanville and Port Perry and beyond. Well, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words, C4. Let your hands be strong so the temple may be built. Every single person within this church has to make the decision to pray, to give, to live a genuine godly life, not a double life, and to build with our serving to bring in the whole tithe, to hold nothing away from God. Celebrate big, connect small, walk with Jesus, share the work, engage in mission. This must truly become real of us. I love how God so long ago reminded them of their history. When I first saw Zechariah 8 situationally for us, I was moved to profound tears. I've been in this church on staff for 20 years. And when I read this, I remember this. Before that time, there was no wages for the people, no hire for animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies. I turned everyone against their neighbor, and I will not deal with a remnant of this people like I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. If you've been here more than 10 years, do you remember the lack of funds? 
do you remember the disunity in our church, how cold this church was? Do you, do you remember the lack of vision? Do you remember when we used to come to church and this was the average posture of people for worship, people desperately trying to bring the presence of God and we welcome them like this. We welcome you with praise, not really. Like really? God's presence was not here. People were not receptive. And that age is over and that day is done and he is doing a new thing and it's only going to get stronger and loving and more holy from this point forward. The seed is going to grow well and the vine is going to yield its fruit and the ground will produce its crops. The heaven is going to drop its dew and I'm going to give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Everything we will need to continue on this path, God is going to provide for us. Just as you see four have been a curse among the nations, I'm going to save you and you're going to be a blessing. You do not be afraid. You let your hands be strong. Right when this was given, again, I was so struck by this. Because so many people in so many churches mocked C4. When we said 10,000, they say, oh, John, you've just got an agenda. You just want a big church. Or you guys are crazy. Or you're a cult. We have, I found out we were a cult last week, just so you all know. So you may want to leave. Uh, all, like, like all these statements. And God comes back and says, oh, just so you know. Oh, you didn't miss here. No, you don't fear. I'm doing a new thing. I cannot be stopped. And here's the amazing thing. Your brothers and sisters who doubted and mocked, let me tell you, you're even going to bless them in the end because they're still your family. I've determined to do good again to C4. So do not be afraid. But these are the things, C4, we must do. I mean, this is the lordship of Jesus. You speak truth to each other in love. Hmm. Render true and sound judgments in your courts. Lead right. Don't plot evil against each other. Don't, don't love to swear, fal swear falsely. God hates this. All lying must end in this church. All lying in all forms. All, you, if you're lying on the internet, no. Double, double life, like you have a, a Sunday life, Monday life, no. The lordship of Jesus has to grow in our money, in our sexuality, in our relationships, in our theology. No plotting, no manipulation, right living, godly leadership. This is what God is commanding us to be. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what he says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will be joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for C4. Love, truth, and peace. And the, the, again, what we were called to pray back is even when we remember our pain as a church, but even we who were actually on this journey have had lots of pain. Listen, even when you remember your pain, you will not ignore it, but God's joy will overcome your pain. Many people, this is the one that I just, I just cannot believe God has given us. Many people and inhabitants from many cities will yet come. <laughs> Bowmanville, Ajax, Pickering, Port Perry, and wait until plan two. Oh my goodness. Many cities. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many people and powerful nations will come to C4 and seek the Lord Almighty and entreat him. This has begun and this is growing. In other words, here's what God is saying. I am preparing so many people to meet me through this church. They're already speaking to each other. Many have come. Many more are on their way. And what I started praying and begging God so long ago out of this passage was this. Oh God, don't just let it be people who look like me. Bring the nations to this church and it has already begun. Look around. This is not the church I was leading 10 years ago. Thank God. 
The nations are here. And why does that matter? Because when God moves multi-generationally and multi-ethnically, it means that the world gets touched. Because like I've preached so many times before, if God moves in great power in Toronto, the whole world is touched because all of the world is in Toronto. And so we claim this asking God to meet us in such profound ways that though we are diverse and though we don't all agree with each other and on this side of heaven we will not fully get each other, God through a unique move could bring old and young and black and white and Asian and Hispanic and fill in the blank and all get together and worship the Father through the Son through the Spirit. That is what he's promised and that's what we're going to do. In those days... Ten people from all languages and nations will start taking the hem of one person from C4 and say, let us go with you because we have heard God is with you. How many of you, I've talked to some of you, and this is your story. You said, I wasn't even searching for God, and I literally walked into a site or this building, and I, I don't even know why I'm here, and you encountered God. Other, others of you literally grabbed the hem of people and said, I must come to church with you, and I don't even know why. Others of you are like, I've heard that God is doing something, and if God is real, I want to encounter, encounter him. Here's what we've got to catch today. C4, I've preached this before, let me preach again. Be prepared, be expectant, because here's what God is doing and is going to do more. More and more people are literally going to walk up to you and say, do you know God? You will say, yes, I do. Where can I find him? Come to this Sunday gathering. Come to this connect group, because the living God is among us. Be ready, for God is going to bring thousands into this house so his name gets glorified. Be ready for it. One to ten is what he's going to do. Now the question is, as we are on this beautiful moment of bliss before this happens. What are we called to do? Number one, let me use an old phrase, all hands on deck. A good friend of mine who's a pastor in Vancouver said to his congregation, this is not a cruise ship, this is a battleship. Change your mentality. See, we are at this moment where over 3,000 people are among us, and many more are on their way. And I need to implore you as one of your pastors and also just as a fellow person in the community, let your hands be strong. Yes, we're not starting over and we're not starting from scratch. The, te the temple is half built. The foundation is laid. And God is saying, yes, I've given you an impossible task in the Canadian context. A demanding task. 10,000 is ludicrous. Getting along together, ludicrous. But he's saying, I can do this. Just join me, would you? So how do we join him? Well, number one, we all must choose to give generously. The, the generosity in this church has fundamentally changed. But we are all called to give of our time and our talent and understand that we're doing it because God has invited us into this unique thing. Not equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. And by the way, if your giving doesn't cost you anything, it's not sacrificial giving. It's just giving. But not only that, we must all serve. In the next two weeks, I'm going to be just unbelievably honest about the whole needs across our church. Thousands of people are coming and thousands of people are here. And I'm just saying this. Every young and old person in this church is going to have to make a decision to serve out of love and faith and hope because thousands are coming and we have to be ready when they come and we have to serve those that are here. Ushers, greeters, Kids, Alpha, Freedom Sessions, Worship, Technology, like the list goes, here's the point. Thousands of people are about to come to faith. 
We cannot turn one person away from one classroom, one connect group, one service. Because when God brings his babies to us, we need to take care of them well. All of us have to be prepared to serve. And we'll talk about it in the next two days. But just I'm asking you now, right now, in the next week, say to the Lord, whether you're tired, whether you've got nothing or everything, listen, just say, Lord, what do you ask of me? But here's where I want to end, and here's where I'd like our whole church to begin its ministry here. I'm asking our community to pray. And you're like, yeah, sure, sure. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> pray. <laughs> and you're like, what do you want me to pray, John? Here's what I want you to pray. These three promises back to God. Next week, you will, the whole church will receive these promises in a way you can pray them. But I just want to start giving you this. I'm asking the church to literally open 2 Chronicles 5 and say these words every day. God, pour out your Holy Spirit in such a profound way that we can't even do our work because you're so present. Like ask for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up in a church, everything changes. Everything. So just number one, pray for the Spirit of God to come. Second thing, I'm going to ask everyone to open 2 Corinthians 5 and pray that the Lordship of Jesus would grow among us and grow in you. Because when the Lordship of Jesus, when we obey him, we actually become the people we're called to be. And here's the third thing. I want you to open up Zechariah 8 and I want you to start praying, Lord, would you literally do this? 10 to 1, all the nations, your unique presence, the, the word of God, uh, answer our prayers, the vine, and like may we have the resources we need just to start praying them back. And here's the difference that's so important. You're not begging God to do something. You're not desperately saying, oh God, maybe possibly. Here's what you're saying. God, you've said in your sovereignty in this season that you're going to do this with this church. So just like Abraham and Moses and all sorts of other people did, I'm just reminding you of your promises because you don't lie, so actually you're going to do it. And I just would like to say, could you do this, please? So could you stand, please, wherever you might be today, and let's start our year this way. Number one, thank you, God, that you are merciful and your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that you had mercy on our spiritual ancestors, those Jewish people under Zechariah's time. And thank you that you had mercy on us. And in Jesus, we know the Father and we're filled by the Spirit and we have hope. So thanks. And thanks you don't treat us the way we deserve to be treated because of our sin. But here's how we want to start our year with you. Through the Spirit, by the Spirit, through Jesus to the Father right now. God, hear our prayer. We pray for your unique move in this church. And could you just say amen to that? So we pray, 2 Chronicles 5, Holy Spirit, come. In a greater way than you've even come before. Holy Spirit, bring the Lordship of Jesus in our marriages, in our friendships, in our finances. Like bring the Lordship of Jesus and the joy that comes with it. And we pray, Zechariah 8, City of Truth, uh, the Holy Mountain, uh, the, the return of prodigals, uh, 10 to 1, uh, all the nations, people entreating God in our community because God has decided to do this. We just pray all of this and ask it to be done in its entirety. All glory to the Father, all glory to the Son, all glory to the Holy Spirit. And we all said, amen. Can we give God genuinely some worship for what he's done among us and what he's going to do? So good. Uh -huh.
Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.